Hey everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks Podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, just want to remind you that if you have an Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a Fire Stick or Fire Cube or whatever it would be, a Fire Box if you're old school, uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your Amazon device add the channel and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night. All right. Uh, it's the CMS podcast network, cmspn.com. And it is now on Amazon. So get it. All right. All right. Here's the episode you came to see. All right, well, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Aftershocks on AfterShocksTV.com on the CMS Podcast Network. And our guest on this episode, we're talking to the guitarist from New York progressive metal outfit, Gizmachi, who are getting ready to release their new album titled Omega Collider. It comes out March 12th. We got Mr. Jay Hannon joining us. Jay, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, guys? Nice to uh, nice to be here. Yeah, same here, bro. Um, so yeah, dude, let me just say real quick here, Omega Collide, man, what a fucking killer record this is, man. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, it's been what, 16 years since you guys put out your last release, 2005, I believe, man. So I guess my first question is, you know, with this just awesome album, man, where the hell have you guys been, man? I mean, you put out, I mean, you put out a great record 16 years ago, you get on Asfest and then you guys fell off the face of the earth, man. So what's up, man? What happened? Why are you such a long hiatus? Because, I mean, this is, like I said, a killer record, man. I'm just, it sucks that it took 16 years, but it's a great record, man. Um, We were trying to be Tool. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> <Good> um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that went into it. I mean, the reason why, um, you know, not to go into too much detail too early, but um, towards the end of the uh, touring cycle for the imbuing, you know, our drummer, Jimmy, who was actually on the new album as well, he came back. Mm -hmm. He was having wrist issues. Um, like, for instance, he, it was it's called decor vein syndrome. I don't want to bore anybody. But when he was hitting the snare drum, it felt like lightning or electricity was going through his hand and his wrist. So he had to have that taken care of, um, get all that fixed. So we got another drummer in the meantime. We did a couple tours with us back then. And then when that kind of fizzled out a little bit, we got somebody else and that didn't work out. And it was one of those things. I mean, if you've heard Gizmachi play, you know, the drums are a very uh, important part of, sure. of the sound and, and the music. Mm -hmm. And what Jimmy plays is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it it was very tough to find people, drummers that number one could play the stuff. Number two could learn it. And number three wanted to, you know go on the road and stuff like that so mm -hmm. that's where that kind of you know took a a crap <laughs> for, <laughs> for lack of a better word towards the end of the of the imbuing cycle um you know before we really got into the uh to this record um so that's kind of part of the reason why it maybe started to take a long time from the start <laughs> okay well i mean hey it was it, if it did take a while, it was definitely worth the wait because, like I said, this is a great record, man. And, you know, I mean, one of the band goes on a 16-year a hiatus and it comes back and also happens to get one of the best singers in all of metal to sing on your record. How in the world were you guys able to get the mighty 
Beyond Street from Soul Work to sing on this man, who in my mind is one of the top singers in the genre. He he totally is. And uh, you know, they were on Ozfest as well in 05. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we kind of became friendly with those guys. Um, and whenever we'd go see them, you know, in like New York City or something when they came around back in 2009, I think it was, nine or ten. Um, I mean, the second we walked in when they were doing their signings, you know, Bjorn actually saw Jimmy and was like, it's the fastest drummer in the world. Like, <laughs> you know, they knew Jimmy. Like, that okay. was because they knew that he's the sound, you know, the, the reason why the band sounds like we sound. And, um, you know, kind of kept in contact a little bit here and there. And then when things kind of happened with what they did, I don't want to go into too much detail about that. Um, the opportunity came up for him to be involved and um i reached out to him well jimmy and i both kind of reached out to him and he was like send me some of your stuff um and he got back to us pretty quickly and was like i'm in let's do it and then obviously the rest guys in the rest of the band they feel the same way as you it's like he is one of the the better uh metal yeah. singers mm -hmm. on the planet today so mm -hmm. it was kind of a no-brainer i mean you know, just when I thought of the idea of like his voice on our music, I was like, sure. it's got to happen. Yeah, it's no, it's it's a great, uh, you know, great match, great fit, man. You know, I, I did read that he was saying, you know, that being part of this record, it was one of the most challenging adventures he's experienced. He's actually grown as a metal singer since re recording the vocals for this record. I mean, that's pretty that's one, uh, you know, hell of a powerful statement coming from a powerful singer like him. And so, I mean, your opinion or just from what you experienced while recording the record, what is it about your music or this record that, you know, would make a, a, a singer like that at that caliber uh, to make a comment like that, in your opinion? Um, I would think that maybe from a um, singing, a singer standpoint, I mean, obviously he wasn't, he wasn't there when we wrote the music. Mm -hmm. He wasn't there when the music was recorded. So it was kind of thing like we'd send him the tracks. He'd have to learn the stuff you know, at a fairly fast rate. I mean, you know, there's a lot of polyrhythms going on. The songs aren't short. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, a couple of them are on this record, but I mean, there's some songs like nine minutes long, a lot of different parts. Mm -hmm. So he kind of has to, uh, has to dissect all of that and then write melodies and parts over top. And uh, I think maybe that's probably what, what he's referring to. Like, you know, I had to um, really, you know, pull these songs apart, pick them apart so I can do what I do. And, and, you know, I've heard a couple people have said it's like Gizmachi on steroids, this record. Sure. And I think that's the perfect way to, to, uh, to describe it, you know? No question. Really. Now, I don't want to turn this into a speed street. Oh, no, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> is he, is he now a member or is he a guest while you're looking for a singer? Where, where does that stand? I mean, of course we would probably like, but, I mean, Bjorn's in soil work. He's in Night Flight, Night Flight Orchestra. Like, I guess I don't want to speak for him, but I mean, we're probably small potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I mean, I I would obviously he's going to be a part of some things we have going forward. It's not like this is a one and done thing. I mean, obviously he did the music video. If you guys had a chance sure. to check mm -hmm. that out, mm -hmm. um, we're going to be doing other things with him as well. Um, so, I mean, this isn't like a one and done with, with Bjorn. Um, I think he, obviously from that quote, you know, he loves the music. There you go. Yep. There um, 
So, I mean, he's definitely going to be a part of what we do going forward, um, whatever that may be. Um, as far as performing live, because I know that question is going to be coming. Um, <laughs> who knows what how we would do that. Um, we're going to have to figure that out. But I mean, the, when we went into this album and we were like, okay, we're going to put it out. The Omega and the Omega collide is basically, it was going to be the end. Like we were going to put this album out and that was going to be it. And with a little bit of buzz that's, that's been happening, we're kind of getting that fire or that itch again to like, Mm. you know, to bring this stuff and the excitement's back. And we're like, shit, man, like how awesome would it be to play some of these songs live and either, and, and also, you know, maybe play one or two of like the songs from the imbuing with Bjorn. Like how cool would that be? Yeah. Sure. Um, so, I mean, everything's on the table right now. We haven't really discussed that part of it with him because there's so many things that have to line up. Uh, you know, stars have to align in, in so many different ways, but I'll say that never say never. We'll see what happens. And, that would be fucking awesome if it did. Yeah. No doubt, man. Now, yeah. now let, let, let's talk about Omega Collide a little bit. You know, you obviously you had a plan, you know, when, when you were writing it. And I, I think it does sound, it sounds, I guess, grown up for lack of a better term from, from the, from the, um, the imbuing, mm. but it's a different time. So, you know, it, it, it kind of had to be grown up. So talk a little bit about you guys, you know, how you wrote the album and, and how you, if you felt like you needed it to sound progressed from where you had come from. Yeah. You're saying a lot of good stuff. Um, <clears throat> and it's a loaded question. How do I, uh, where do I start from it? But <laughs> I mean, a lot of these songs were kind of written um, after the, like, 2006 7 even a little bit of 08 so but we kind of got into our groove with i think every musician or every artist not just music every artist they kind of hit a point in their um creative like life or whatever you want to call it where they kind of figure out okay this is kind of what how i want to be or what i want to do or how i want to sound like they have they almost get a certain like identity to their playing or whatever it is and the last couple songs we wrote for the imbuing i think we kind of like started to get that okay this is us and i think it continued into this album as well um so that's kind of where that is as far as you know the identity thing okay um where do i go now (laughs) what was the next i'm just yeah the business itself and the sound and what's popular and all that has changed Mm -hmm. you know you guys, oh, okay. you guys adapted, but you didn't necessarily change what you were doing, which to me is beautiful because there's a there's a desperate need for this kind of up tempo, powerful metal to to be around these days without it just being all screamy vocals, you know. And and it's perfect. I, me and Matt both agree it's a great record. <laughs> yeah. I, I 100% agree with that because I think, and I've said this before, um, over, probably over the past year or two that I think this music coming out now, this album coming out now, I think it will do better than it would have if it came out in 07 or 08, which was the original plan, you know. I th- And obviously back then, things, you know, like you said, everything kind of is, is different, but 
I think the metal world needs this album now <laughs> right. more than it did back mm -hmm. in 07 or 08. I just hope people want it. Um, and you know, I know I'm not alone in this, in this sense. We had Mark Lewis mix the record who is, he, he was actually our guitar tech on Ozfest, which is kind of funny. Oh, nice. We've, we've stayed close ever since, but, um, you know, I know he's on the same, I, mean, I want to put words in his mouth and get him in trouble either. Cause this is what he does for a living. But this album sounds like a band is playing it. I mean, I know it's tight and there's a lot of things that are locked in, but for this type of music, it kind of has to be like that to a certain extent. But, you know, we didn't use, it's, it's not like, I think a lot of albums now sound the same, you know, there's, sure. they're using the same samples and the mm -hmm. same profiles and amps. And I think this can kind of help breathe new life as far as sonics into and there might be some people as well that hear this and they're like, oh, that doesn't sound right because it's not, you know, um, the same sound, I guess, is what sure. is popular right now or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, that's that's my personal opinion about that. Uh, hopefully people want to hear, you know, something that sounds a little more uh, human, you know. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and, you know, the interesting thing, too, is that right now, because you guys were away for 16 years, oh, God. there's a lot of there, there's a lot of there's a lot of younger metalheads that don't either don't remember the band or really don't don't associate with that whole era of music that, you know, that that the Ozfest presented in 2005. A lot of those kids are now, you know, the 17, 18, 19 year old kids of that. They you know, they were listening to Barney when you guys were out, not, yeah. not Gizmachi. That's true. And the same in the exact, the exact opposite too. Like there was kids that, you know, might've been 16, 17, 18 that came out to see us. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, kind of like myself, I was 27 when we recorded the imbuing. I'm 43. Now I got two kids and a wife. So things change. I mean, that's the thing too. A lot of people back then, you know, after this much time of, of not, of, of thinking the band is dead, they come back and, you know, maybe they don't have the same interest, but mm -hmm. looking at our Spotify uh, plays, our main audience is people that were of that age okay. then. So yeah. that's kind of cool in that sense where they're mm -hmm. still listening to it. They, they picked up on these new songs, the people that have heard them and they're digging it, which I think is cool, you know, to come out with a new album this far later, or this much longer you know, to have people still dig it is, is, is kind of cool. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. You know, um, uh, you know, you were saying, Jay, you know, you were talking about Jimmy and his drums being, you know, the sound of Gizmachi. And obviously we talked about uh, Bjorn Street now, you know, learning his vocals. But, you know, when I think, too, of, of the band, I mean, you can't, we can't forget you and your guitar playing. You know, and I think, especially on this record, I mean, the way it flows when listening to it, man. I mean, the first time I was listening to it, I mean, it was over like that. It ended so fast, you know, and I was and I was like, wow, that was, you know, and it's not like it's a short record. No, well, that, and, that's, that's you know? well, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I got it right there because sure. that is one of the biggest compliments you can give a band that writes long songs. The album is an hour and 24 seconds long. Yeah. So for you to say that it was over like that, that to me, like I, I'm getting goosebumps right now <laughs> because that is like one of the biggest compliments you can, you can give. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, no, I mean, and, and it is. I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, I'll just give an example. I mean, like the track Inner Visions, you know, it's one of your longer songs there. I mean, those last few minutes of that song with your guitar is just, I mean, it's beautiful. And you don't usually hear about your type of music, people calling it beautiful. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was, I mean, I was just like blown away. I mean, and it sort of acted like it's sort of like an interlude in, in a way uh, of sorts and a sort of a segue into the second half of the record. So it's just such a smooth, I mean, listen from start to finish. And um, like I said, that's not something, you know, for your kind of music that's easy to pull off. When you're writing, you know, the music, do you intentionally sort of, you know, obviously you, you intentionally incorporate those cleaner, you know, guitar parts and elements of the songs, but is it done in order to sort of to create that sort of ride for the listener? Is that, you know, is that sort of intentional or is it just simply the way you write music? Um, yeah, I think when you, uh, is my internet okay? Yeah, you're yeah. fine. Okay. Um, we never really go into a song when we start writing or something like that. There's never really a, a game plan. Okay. Um, I'm always uh, of the idea of, or the school of a song. Once you have like a riff or something, um, the song can kind of start to write itself mm -hmm. after you have a couple pieces put together. And then I, I kind of, and this is me personally, you know, mm -hmm. but this, you know, when we're working on a song, writing it, I'll kind of start to think like, I'll almost, I guess like an artist painting, they start painting something and they can almost see where the next color should be or, or what, what, you know, how to draw a certain thing. I kind of almost look at it like that. Like all of a sudden we'll start working on a song. I'm like, wow, it, okay, let's do like something like this here. You can almost visualize it in your brain. Of where to go next but as far as like preconceived stuff um like that clean part in inner visions um i'm trying to think that might be like a mike balls idea that clean part excuse me i'm drinking okay. too much monster and too fast i'm probably <laughs> you're gonna have to slow the audio down so anybody can understand me but uh yeah i mean it all depends like sometimes you just feel what the next part should be like okay you know the bridge is coming do we want to get fast with a big riff here and speed things up mm. or do we want to bring everything down and kind of like reset a little bit and the ebb and flow the ebb and flow is a big thing for me in songs and i know the majority of the record is heavy as shit and groovy but there's still those moments like you mentioned yeah. there's still those moments that kind of bring you back a little bit and then you know get you back into it sure yeah so no i i love that part man. and you know the other thing that stands out you know to that's tremendous to me on this uh on this record is the production the record and i know you produced this so i mean you know kudos to you man. you did a fantastic job as yeah. you mentioned mark lewis you know did the mix of course he's you know worked with so many big bands like devil driver and white chapel um yeah you know and you always hear people say that it's much better <clears throat> to have an outside producer to give you know band an outside ear but, I mean, that's something that's sort of become an old way of thinking and doing things. I mean, I was never personally sold on having outside producers be, you know, sort of the missing piece, if you will, to having a great album anyway. So, I mean, talk a bit about your experience now producing this record. And did you find it to be maybe a bit more challenging than you think it would be, being that it's not only, you know, your own band and music, but also considering the fact that you had, you know, a, a guy, you know, Sean Cran, who produced your first, you know, I mean, the last record, The Imbuing. I mean, that's a hard one to follow let alone to try and, you know, top um, or at least match what he was able to do with you guys on that record. Well, I'm, I'm kind of of the belief of, uh, you know, bands should have an outside ear to kind of, uh, you know, um, help kind of mold mm -hmm. the song. Cause you cannot listen to your own music from an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the, the reason it helped us a little bit with me producing was, 
you know, these songs have been with us for so long. Like I said before, a lot of them were written in those couple years after the imbuing mm -hmm. where we really didn't have the time to analyze things. And like, guys, you know, we've been hearing the demo for this song for, you know, a couple of years, mm -hmm. you know, what about maybe cutting this chorus in half or, you know, little things like that. But, and, but I don't know. I mean, there's a couple bands I could think of that are a little later in their careers. Mm-hmm that might self-produce. And personally, I think that, like I said, you can't look at, you can't listen to your own music and be like, that sucks. Right. True. It's mm -hmm. hard to, and also yeah. it's hard to tell your band members, you know, somebody mm -hmm. presents a riff, you know, it's tough to look at somebody and be like, nah, that's it's not good enough. But if you're working with a band, if you're, you know, I've, I've produced a couple bands, mm -hmm. you know, you have, you, you have that kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say authority, but a little more of a, like, hey, guys, this part, you know, I think maybe we should rework the vocals here or, or maybe, you know, do something different on the guitars mm -hmm. where when it's your own band and, and everybody is kind of married to it, it's it's kind of hard to um to self-produce in that, in that standpoint. But sure. mm -hmm. we did. I mean, there might be, you know, I listen to the record, there might be a couple things where, you know, if we had an outside producer, they might be like, nah, nah, come on. That's enough, <laughs> enough of that, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, you know, you just mentioned that you produce some other bands. I mean, as a guy who has done that from your experiences, you know, other than the fact that it is your own music, what do you find to be more or less, you know, challenging compared to recording and producing another band's music than your own? Say that one more time. So, I mean, as a guy, you know, you've, you've produced, obviously, you said uh, other bands, right? Yep. So from doing that, compared to producing your own music, what do you find to be sort of more or less challenging? I mean, obviously, you, you brought up one point is the fact that it's hard to look at your own music and say, well, this sucks. Um, but what I mean, is there anything else in terms of producing when you're producing someone else's music compared to your own that you find to be sort of challenging or different, you know, other than the fact that, like you said, you know, criticizing your own music? All right, so I'll give a kind of one, you know, maybe analogy or whatever, but as a guitar player, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we guitar players who might dabble in solos, we might try to do a couple things that maybe the song doesn't need. Like, sure. song doesn't need a six-minute solo, Jay. Like, we don't need, <laughs> don't need to, it doesn't need to have a solo there, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, when it's, when it's yourself, it fucking needs that. <laughs> I, I want to show what I can do right here, guys. Like, but when it's another band, when I'm sitting there with another band and we're recording, and all next thing you know, they're trying to, you know, do some uh, Michelangelo Batio uh, <laughs> yeah. guitar solos. Mm -hmm. I can kind of say, hey, you know, I don't think the song needs that, and uh, and that that type of thing, where you can, you know, look at somebody else, like it doesn't need that. Where it's hard to look at your own <laughs> to to mm -hmm. rein yourself in. Sure. You know? If yeah. that makes any sense, I hope. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, does. I, I'm curious, and I want to go back to the imbuing for a minute, just to make the comparison. Since we're talking production, mm -hmm. was it easy, or or was it extremely difficult to put your input into that record when you had, you know, when you obviously had Clown kind of over your shoulder as one of the biggest bands probably in the world at that minute? Oh yeah. You mm -hmm. know, I I mean, mm -hmm. it had to be hard for you guys to say. You know what? I know your band is selling five million copies of Iowa or whatever, but we like doing it this way. You know that that had to be difficult, no? Yeah, I mean, but he signed us because he liked what we did and he liked our music and he kind of liked the 
um, sporadic stuff, like the, you know, just kind of changes for no reason or whatever. But I mean, there's a couple songs that changed and not my opinion changed for the better when we recorded them. And, uh, you know, I know Josh Wilbur who engineered that record, you know, he actually, you know, he actually, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but he actually did a little bit of producing as well on that, you know, okay. record. Um, there's a couple ideas here and there that he kind of helped with, but, um, no, I mean, at the time I was kind of like, okay, these people know what they're doing. They're going to get us to where we need to go. And maybe I, as you know, cause I'm a little bit of a control freak. I feel like this band is my baby, even though sure. we're all equal in the band. Everybody has a fair say of everything. It's a democracy in that standpoint. Yeah. As long as they agree with you. Yeah. As long as, <laughs> as, long as my fucking way. <laughs> um, but I mean, because I've been in this band, like I started this band, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, with, with the bass player, Chris, and I've always held it very close. Like, this is my baby. You know, I, I will not do anything to detriment the band type of thing. Like, you know, so, but at the point I was like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not, not going to be that control freak of like, everything has to be my way and I have to like it. You know, these people are professionals. They know what they're doing. Let's let them do it. So that's kind of, it wasn't difficult once I kind of, uh, you know, got it through my thick skull. Right. Certainly. You know. Now, you know, for people that are watching this and not just listening through the podcast, they can look right over your shoulder and see that you are certainly classically influenced by, uh, by one Mr. Van Halen, yes. as, as most guitar players are. And I have to say that is probably my favorite function of the new record of Omega Collide is that you kind of have that mixture of modern guitar riffing with a lot of almost old school solo. I'm not a guitar player. So solo pieces, mm -hmm. whatever you would call that mixed into it, which I think is great because it, it kind of, for, for me who likes both styles, it kind of plays to everything that I like. You know, is that, is that purposeful from you to do that? Or is it just the way songs come out of your hands? Nah, it's, it's just how I play, I guess. I mean, I, I love that stuff, too. I mean, I'm a huge 80s metal rock, you know, even even some of the glam stuff, you know, I I, mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Um, sure. sure. And, you know, that's what I grew up on. It's when I started playing, you know. Uh, so I've always, you know, I can't. And when I do write solos, I know a lot of guys can basically sit down, not have anything planned and just rip. Where if, for instance, if I grab a guitar right now and you got, and you guys said, can you just play something off the top of your head, a solo, mm -hmm. you would swear that I never played guitar before. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't be that bad, but the solos that you hear on the record, um, I literally, like I sit down, I get kind of a melody in my head or notes in my head. And I try to connect this to the, my fingers to the fretboard. So every note you hear is planned out whether it's good or bad that's on me but i don't like none of those parts are kind of like well uh, uh, one song is one song i just let it rip was uh the single right now what could i become okay that one because i couldn't figure out a solo for it i was trying for like date nights on end and i'm like i want to do something i just don't know what i want to do and any anything i try completely sucks right so that's when i had i asked larry mitchell <laughs> which is oh it's, nice it's arguably my favorite uh solo guitar record ever okay but um 
I asked him to kind of, you know, do something with me on that, do a, do a guitar duel type, type thing. Mm-hmm. And he laid down his part. And because he goes first, then I go, then he goes, then I go, then he does the outro solo. But um, it kind of uh, got me in the groove of like, okay, he's doing that. Now I kind of know what direction to go into. And that one was kind of like just, you know, if you asked me to play that solo again, I wouldn't be able to because I don't know, except for like a couple little parts. I don't really know what I did. I just kind of uh, let it go, you know. But um, yeah, I write. I write the solos note note by note, and uh, I, I I hope they're kind of cool. But yeah, I I dig the fact that you think that they're kind of like a blend between, you know, the '80s kind of uh, style with the modern type of thing. That's 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 cool to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's just it's unique, and, and and you know, I mean, you you hear as many bands as we do. There's mm-hmm. a lot of bands that are not unique, and and they're forgotten. And that's, you know, honestly, that's why Gizmachi can come back after, you know, a decade and a half and people still care because you guys always kind of had that unique sound that was distinctly your own. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I, obviously we have a little bit of, uh, <laughs> that's an understatement, a little bit of Mashuga influence in us, um, <laughs> you know, with the polyrhythms and that type of stuff. Sure, sure. But I mean, there's obviously the other stuff too. I mean, I would say the trickiest part of what we do is kind of to get that technical stuff. And it's not overly technical. Like if you isolate the rhythm guitars for the most part, it'd be like, that's it, you know, but it's, it's the rhythms and the dynamics and obviously the drumming and and stuff like that, that kind of makes these, the rhythms exciting and, and, uh, and heavy, but to, to have that, mixed with the melodic stuff especially like the melodic vocals with mike and now bjorn you know because there there are some bands out there um that you know when they do the overly technical stuff mixed with the melodic vocals um and this is my you know this is just me speaking sometimes i feel like it can sound a little forced you know like Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a great part but like you know it doesn't really it kind of sounds like it's shoehorned in there where you know, personally, I feel like, uh, you know, it doesn't feel forced with our stuff. It's kind of like a natural thing. It's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just doing something just to do it. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, I'll, I'll piggyback for Chris. Yeah. You guys, you don't overdo it. You know, there's a lot of bands that overdo it. It's more about, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the whole, you know, the, you know, they just want to show what they can do instead of really focusing what, what, what the song calls for. You know, like a great example is Turn to Dust. I mean, that's just a straight up, you know, just straight rocker, you know, straight, mm-hmm. you know, kick kick ass tune. You don't go, you guys don't do too much technical stuff in that one. And that's the thing is I think you, you it seems like you guys really put it in there when it's called for, not because like you said, you're doing it just to force it or just for the sake of doing it, you know? And I think that's what kind of sets, you know, you guys apart from a lot of bands who play the similar type of music you guys do, and especially on this album, like I said, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, so at this point, you know, I'm Chris alluded to this a little bit earlier. You know, at this point in your career, I mean, what really, I mean, like you said, you, you were saying, you know, earlier, um, you know, Omega Clyde was supposed to be sort of the final, you know, final the finale here for the, the band. nail in the coffin. Yeah, there you go, nail in the <laughs> coffin, right? But like you said, when you get this type of reaction, it's hard to say, like, well, 
Are we going to really just, you know, put this out and that's it when you when you, you've put together just a phenomenal record? I mean, what do you what do you really, you know, now I guess, you know, hoping to accomplish at this point for anything with your music? I mean, you're simply just doing it for the love and the passion. Um, or are you guys now because you're getting such a positive reaction, are you looking to maybe, you know, pick up where you left off, you know, I mean, not so much 60 years ago, because like you said, you got a family, things are changed, obviously, with the, you know, within the music industry itself. So, I mean, I mean, and obviously with the pandemic, there's not much you can really plan right now or foresee, but what would you like to, you know, personally see happen going forward with the band? Well, like I said, the original idea was basically this was going to be the end. We just wanted to get this record out mm -hmm. to, you know, have people, you know, that's, that's, that's always been my thing is like, you know, play music, hope people hear it, get it out so people can hear it. Mm -hmm. So that was basically the idea for this one. I mean, obviously, you know, we did the Kickstarter thing, which we failed miserably at, and we're <laughs> going to take care of those people. Don't forget. I know we've gotten some terrible backlash and I know some writer from some metal site completely demolished us a couple of years oh, really? ago, oh, man. but there was a lot to that. We're not the type of band that's going to come out and make a million excuses of why, right. You know, mm -hmm. just shit happens. You think we wanted to take this long to put this fucking thing out? Yeah. No, no we true. didn't. Yeah. You know, that was the last yeah. thing anybody wanted to do. But you know, yeah. things happen, and um, you know, I could I could talk about those things for for the rest of the night. Mm. But as far as you know, what you're saying about what going forward, if there's enough of a buzz when this album comes out and people want to hear it, um, I mean, obviously, I don't I don't see us going on like a six month, eight month, sure. you know, going away for a couple of years type of mm -hmm. thing. Like we would have done when we were in our twenties, but it may be some festivals, you know, mm -hmm. obviously Europe is a huge uh, opportunity to do something like that. Um, you know, nothing has been discussed uh, with Bjorn about anything like that yet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're just basically, we're going to see what happens with this record when it comes out. Hopefully people dig it. Hopefully people want to see it live. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll just kind of play it by ear, as my father would say. Right. Sure. You know, yeah. if people want to hear it, we got to fucking make it happen. Sure. You know? are, are you guys looking at you know uh, get you know get any support from a label or or anything like that? Are you, are you planning on doing this completely independent on your own? Well, we're doing it independently. I mean, we hired um, you know a great PR team, Adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, we got uh, Max Feldman for the radio guy, who's helped a lot, obviously. Um. Mm -hmm. You know, we're di we're distributing it through distributing it digitally through the orchard. We're also getting CDs okay. printed, but you know, with the whole like you talked about the the pandemic thing and other things, it's kind of delayed it a bit. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. See what happens? Yeah. Sure. You, know? like you said play it by ear. Right? That's all you can do, I guess. At this yeah. Point. Like I said, if if, yeah. if, if if there's enough demand, then we got to make it happen. Sure. So we'll we'll figure it out. Absolutely. Go. Well, in the meantime, you know, to the listeners out there, go check out Omega Collide. Great record. And Jay, why don't you go ahead and just tell the listeners where they can, you know, find everything and stay up with the band and find they can purchase your music and just check out what you guys got going on. Um, well, our social medias are scrolling, but if you're listening, obviously we're on Facebook at uh Gizmachi Band, Instagram at Gizmachi Band. Um the what else do we have? Not much. We we all hate social media. And I got stuck with having to do it. And I <laughs> Lucky you. Lucky you. everybody in the band for making me uh, <laughs> do it. But our, um, what is it called? Shit, I don't even know what the hell some of this stuff is called. Um, 
Twitter or Tumblr? No, not the Twitter. The thing where the, the Bandcamp. 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 There you go. Bandcamp is going to be up and running very soon with merch and the CDs and, and other cool stuff. Um, and that's just Gizmachi on the mm. on Bandcamp. I'm curious. Both of you guys have heard the record. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, obviously, I didn't expect you to listen to it a hundred times, but if you, what's what is like if you had to listen to one of the songs right now, do you know which one it would be? I know that. I'm terrible with the names too, mm -hmm. but I, I would go. I love Sky. I thought that really? was okay. phenomenal. Between that and Turn to Dust, I, I just thought once they hit that the middle of the album, that once that's Turn to Dust kick in and then Sky kicked in and then Intervisions after that, it was just. I mean, it just it started sailing real fast, and that's that's where everything just started. Like I said, it went by in a blip to sure. me. We'll, yeah. well, Turn to Dust, we're talking about that might be the next single. Okay. But the only issue is it's just like five minutes and 38 seconds or 40 seconds. So we might have to, I hate cutting, I hate cutting the fat on off of songs just sure. to get them played, but right. there's not many options. You know, the, the record yeah. has a bunch of long songs. Exactly. Yeah. If I was picking, I would go turn to dust and I would go look what I've become. I love, you know, I, I'll be honest and, and Matt will tell you this, you know, I'm the one that picks what we do and we don't do. And 99% of the time it's based on the first song that I hear. And I heard the song and was like, yep, we can fucking talk to this guys. Wow. No awesome. problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I had to pick one, there's, you know, I'm sure you guys kind of know with your own music, it's hard to, um, to listen to like almost like the production thing. Mm -hmm. It's hard to listen to your own music as a fan or as a listener. It's hard sure. to take that step outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the title track, Omega Collide, um, that one, a couple of weeks ago, I just put it on and put headphones on up here one, one late night. And I was like, I can, I, I'm listening to this song as like, as a fan. Nice. And I was able to like, enjoy it. It's instead of like picking things apart, like, ah, oh, that one note there, or that mm -hmm. one chord, I didn't hit it right or sure. something. Right. Sure. That, that's the one song that I can like, just kind of lose myself in and, uh, and enjoy like that. And, What's funny as well about that song, literally, as we were writing it, we all knew that that was going to be the uh, the closing track. Okay. Mm. It was just, I think a lot of bands kind of realize when you have the opener and you have the closer, you know, once you start working on them, you're like, this is going to be, that's one song that's going to be, you know, that epic, see you later, you know. Mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> the album's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, I guess it's it's from start to finish, it's it's phenomenal. So I mean, it's hard to pick one song, man. It really is, and I'm not just doing that to blow smoke up your ass. It's really that good, man. I mean, just Thank just you. yeah, being straight up. Well, Jay, uh, you know, thanks so much again, once again. Omega collides the album. Gizmachi is the band, and uh, good luck with everything, Jay. And uh, you know, if you guys ever happen to uh, get out on the road, we'd obviously you know love to see you live and have you back on here again sometime in the future. If you guys want me back or you want somebody else in the band or if you want me to tag team with somebody, let me know. Awesome. I'd be happy to do it. You guys are cool as shit. I awesome. appreciate it. You too, baby. Thanks a lot, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.
All right, everybody, another great interview right here on Aftershocks TV. And before we go, just want to remind you one more time, make sure you get over and subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe to everything that we do, not only us, but uh, the classic metal shows, Shockwave Skull Sessions, uh, Talk To Me. It's all there, one site, get four great shows, never have to do anything again, but be entertained. So check it out, uh, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. Until next time, folks.